Uh, thank you very much, worship team. That was really good singing. Thank you for leading us faithfully every Sunday. Uh, I'd like you guys to do me a favor. Uh, please stand up. Um, I'm not going to send you to Kenya, but I'm going to send you to each other. Uh, I want you guys to go around and just shake somebody's hand, welcome them to church. And if they're huggable, hug them. If they're not huggable, just shake their hands really strong and make them feel like uh, God loves them this morning. Amen? Can you do that for like a minute or so? Just, just shake somebody's hand. All right, enough, enough. <laughs> Order, enough, 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 enough. Well, anybody that, that, that does not think that uh, Northwick can be social need to be here this morning and see that. You know, it's wonderful when believers just uh, hang out together, smile, talk, hug, shake hands, and just uh, it's a wonderful thing to be in the presence of other believers. My name is uh, Dennis Omondi. I am saved. I love Jesus. I'm married to one woman. Uh, my wife is here with me. Uh, I'd like to have her to stand to show her off as usual. Uh, if you have a beautiful thing, you show it off, you know. I've known uh, my wife for 13 years now. We've been married 10 years. In fact, this uh, week is our 10th year anniversary. So thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, it's been a wonderful uh, 10 years being married to Alice, and I'm looking forward to uh, a lot more years with her. Uh, let me pray for us before we start. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful that uh, we can have the privilege of calling you Father, because truly you are, that uh, once a week we can stop and we can worry about nothing but look up and worship you, Jesus, our Savior. And so we praise you for this time that you've given us. Lord, uh, put me aside and make your word central to this message, and I, uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, before uh, Pastor Larry went uh, to his sabbatical, he uh, introduced a lot of people and said that he has a, a, an all-star team of preachers who's going to be preaching. Now, I don't know about all-star, but I'm a preacher and I'm part of the team. But before you dismiss me too quickly, I have something that all the rest of the stars don't have. I have a, a cool African accent. <laughs> they don't have that. 
I have it. Uh, and the reason for that is because I'm from Africa. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, being from Africa, I love the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is awesome. And uh, I like it because of its repetitious nature. And Africans are very repetitious. And so when I, when I look at this book and I see all the repetition, I get really excited. One of my friends uh, in small group, uh, I won't mention his name because I love my life. <laughs> he was like, he's, he told me I'm, I'm not amused by all the repetition in this book. And I think it might be okay to assume that uh, many Americans uh, are not very amused about, for, about repetition. I, I, I always talk to people, and being an African, my English is still forming, and so it gets me a long time to get to a point. So if I go over time, that's why. It just takes me a long time to get to the point, because I have to use many words to explain a single point. And uh, the book of Hebrews, I think the, the author of Hebrews is doing exactly that. But uh, one thing we can agree, we might not be in agreement about our like for the repetition, but I think one thing we can agree is because of all the repetition, we all know why the author of Hebrew, Hebrews has written this book. And he's speaking to a scattered group of Jewish Christians who find the idea of reverting back to their old ways of Judaism alluring. They are tempted by the comforts of the system that they were saved from. They want to go back to that. And uh, they, in, 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 their, in their pursuit or in their wanting to go back, they begin to doubt that Jesus is worth all that they've left behind to follow him. So the writer of Hebrews will respond to them and tell them, don't look back to your religion, look up to Jesus. Because Jesus is a superior person. He's more superior than Moses. He's more superior than the prophets, than the angels, than Joshua, than Aaron, more superior than even the high priests. And the, the example of the, the most superior of them was Melchizedek. But Jesus supersedes Melchizedek. Then he goes to show that uh, Jesus is more superior as, a, as the maker of the new covenant. And then his superiority goes beyond the covenant and they, they look at his sacrifice and they say that Jesus' sacrifice is greater. And this is, I think, the, the, what is going on in Hebrews 9, that in the first part of Hebrews 9, they're going to talk about the old covenant ratified by the bloods of animals. And in the second part of uh, Hebrews, they're going to talk about the new covenant ratified by the blood of Jesus. And then in the last part, and where, that, that's where I am today, He's going to be talking about, you know, how, what is the application? What, what is the application of this new covenant? Why is it greater than the covenant of the old, uh, or, or, or the blood of the animals and all that? Okay, so the author of Hebrew is going to reason with them in that way. But these guys are going through very difficult times. And in, in the face of difficulty, they're beginning to question whether Jesus is worth following. And life is, become, is becoming hard, and he's going to write to them and say, listen, Jesus is greater. He's greater than all your religious bigwigs and symbols and ceremonies and everything that made your religion so great in your own eyes. Jesus is greater than all that. You know, I've been a Christian a while right now. I was saved in 1993, and one of the things 
that I, I am beginning or I am learning as I, as I grow older is that the doubting of my faith and the doubting of whether Jesus is worth everything that we left behind to follow him, like sometimes doubt sets in in the, in the, in the face of difficulty. You know, I, I just say that my wife and I have been married for 10 years and sometimes I think preachers give a, a false impression of what's going on. And so everybody there looks at us and says, man, you guys are so happy. You know, talk to my wife. I am a normal man. We have our days. You know, and it's difficult. And I always say, if somebody has been married for one day, man, they need a standing ovation and, and clap of hands. It is a difficult thing to be married. And now think about it. You're married. You've been, you grew up in Kenya all your life, and then your wife grows up in Charlotte, North Carolina, USA, all her life, and then you meet in the mission field, and the thing that brings you together is Jesus, and you communicate in Americanism, I communicate in Kenyanism, and there, there's going to be a little, a little trouble in that marriage as far as communication is concerned. And most of you, I think you, you know that, that marriage can be difficult, communications get difficult, and at that, in those times, it is, it is so hard to put your trust in Jesus. And it's easier to run to TV. It is easier to run to food. It is easier to run to friend. I have even seen people venting about their spouses on social media. But they don't go to Jesus. And then in marriage you get children and children drive you crazy. I know yours don't drive you crazy. Ours are abnormal children, they drive us crazy. They're not here, so I can say that right now. <laughs> in the first service, they were here, so I couldn't say that. They are nice, awesome, sweet, wonderful. Some of us are single, and the proverbial clock is ticking, and it's so hard to trust in the Lord, and you're thinking, man, there is this unsaved person over here, there is this unsaved girl over here, and they're not that bad, you know? They're, they're even better than some saved people, I know. Life has a way of squeezing Jesus out of us and making our Savior look so small in light of all our problems. If this is you, and maybe I didn't mention specifically what you're going through, I want to encourage you that Jesus cares. Jesus loves you. He feels whatever agony you're in. He knows your pain. And I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, especially when you are around Christians who are constantly telling you, just be strong, sister. Just be strong, brother. <laughs> That's the most annoying way of comforting someone going, going, to, going through trouble. Don't do that. Listen to what the author of Hebrew in Hebrews 4.15 says. And I'm going to read in the Amplified Version. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand. Our, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptation, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet committing, not without committing any sin. And this is just the savior that we, we have. He's not this lofty guy that is sitting over there, has no idea what you're going through, but he has gone through everything, maybe even more. Can you imagine being God and being able to stop your suffering? Like I say, if I had a superpower, I would stop every suffering I have. But he was God. He was, he was able to stop it, but he didn't stop it. He went through it because he wanted to 
to relate with us so that we can relate with him in this pain. Last week, we ended in verse 22 of the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Jake did a really good job. If you didn't listen or if you're not here, please go back and listen to that message. It was really, really good. Talking about the blood of Jesus, one of the best messages I've heard about the blood of Jesus. Because I, I've, people don't preach about the blood very much. So that's a, a, a shout out for Jake over there. Just go listen uh, to that. Verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. All the blood, and there is a lot of blood in Hebrews. I think it's the book that talks about blood more than any book in the Bible, and or New Testament. And he, he wants to show you that this blood is not just this thing that, is, that, that, that was poured by animals, over there in the Old Testament, and now Jesus is going to be the fulfillment of it, but there's deeper meaning of this blood. There's sacrifice behind this blood. And all the blood that was poured in the Old Testament was a foreshadow of the blood of Jesus that would be poured on the cross to take away the sin of the world once and for all. That's another word you're going to see a lot today. He's going to repeat it over and over and over. Once and for all. It is this sacrifice that is in view in our passage this morning. So when you look at uh, 23 to 28, we will see the old covenant ratified in the blood of bulls, the new covenant ratified in the blood of Jesus, so fulfillment of that, and what is the application? What, why is this sacrifice greater than the one in the Old Testament? It's what I'm going to be uh, talking about this morning. But before we go there, I want, I want us to just have a context of what we're talking about here. Sometimes I think we read the Bible with our 21st century mindset and we kind of lose a lot of meaning in it. So I want, I want to take us back to feel what these guys were feeling. Because when you think about people that lived 2,000 years ago and they were going through this time and you're wondering, why would you leave this Jesus? He's so awesome. You know what? You guys have had 2,000 years to process this. You know, they didn't have that. This is dropped on them after over 1,000 years of, being, of, of, of practicing Jewish religion and religious rituals and rites. And Jesus shows up and he swallows all these things that have been doing into one man. And as I was thinking about it, I thought about America. America, I think, has the most holidays of, every, of, of any country in the world. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't uh, checked on that, but you can, you, can, you can check on that. But I think if it's not the one that has the most, it's one of the top three or top four. Now, imagine if somebody showed up today and said, we are going to remove all the American holidays because there is this person who died on the cross, rose again, went to heaven, and one day is going to come. And in account, on the account of this person, we're going to scrape off everything. Now, in two days' time, it's going to be 4th of July. Most of you, you already have a new grill. You have your ribs somewhere hidden. Barbecue is a big thing. 4th of July, fireworks. You know, for me, free week of school, no school. I'm in summer school right now, so no school. I love that. Thanksgiving, the turkey, the smell of apple pie. Uh, time with family and friends, you know, Christmas, the mother of all holidays, you know, uh, the gifts, 
and the food and the smell of the freshly cut Christmas trees, the Christmas music in the mall. And the list goes on and on, and that's not even, there is some weird ones, the ground, uh, Groundhog's Day, you know? <laughs> I'm like, why would anybody celebrate a groundhog in the ground? I say, we're gonna remove this groundhog, and Alan, they're gonna tell us whether winter is extended or not. I don't know if you believe that. You, you are a weather scientist, you know? And they do that, you know, but they are, they are enthusiasts about this day. So remove this day from them and they're going to be so mad, you know. And so all this, think about it. I don't want to be that guy on Christmas morning that's going to tell my kids, no gifts. Jesus is here. You know, you try that. Oh, it's your birthday. Don't worry, no birthday. Some of you are like, yeah, I want that. It's going to increase my economy, you know. But when, when you think about that, they remove all that. Let me ask you a question. Would there be a slight temptation when the last week of November rolls by and you start smelling your neighbor's turkey over there or on Christmas morning the snow is coming down really nicely and there's no tree, there's no lights, there's no Christmas songs. Are you going to be tempted even slightly to want to go back to that? Of course you would. And this is what these guys were doing. So this is what the Jewish believers were going through. So please don't judge them too harshly. And I think this is why the author of the book of Hebrews is patiently and repeatedly trying to explain to them. You know, if somebody takes away Christmas from my home, they're going to have to explain to my wife and my children why they're doing that. And they better do it clearly, slowly, repeatedly until they understand why Christmas is gone. And this is what is happening in the book of Hebrews. And the main idea of my message, and if you miss anything that I'm going to say, is this. Jesus is a greater sacrifice. Why? Because he appeared once and for all in the presence of God on our behalf to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is why Jesus is so great. And the passage today, I think, is going to give us three reasons why the sacrifice of Jesus is so great, greater than the sacrifice in the Old Testament. And I'm going to look at this in view of the appearing of Jesus. When Jesus appeared, what happened? His sacrifice in his appearance was the cause for our sanctification, number one. Number two, when he appeared, his sacrifice was the cause for our justification. I'm going to explain all this. And then I'm going to end by making a case that when he appeared, his sacrifice will be the cause of our glorification. Amen? Are we together up to there? Is my accent doing well right now? Okay, I, don't want, I don't want you to miss this because of my... Weird African accent, okay? Uh, let me read the text here. Chapter 9, verse 23 to 28. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in heaven to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. 24. For the Messiah did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. 25, he did not do this to offer himself many times 
as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundations of the, foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin or the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sin of many, will appear uh, a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now, let's, let's, uh, let's go to verse 23 really quickly here and look at it. Thus, I'm reading from the, I read from the Holmans, and now I'm going to read from ESV. I wanted to get all perspectives of this. It's so good. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified. These things, uh, with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than this. Now, I'm going to give you homework. Okay, are you ready? I know you're not used to being given homework in church, but I'm going to give you homework. It's very hard when you're giving professors from seminary homework. <laughs> but I want you to go find out. I know some of you like research, and uh, there's a big library across the street here at Southeastern. You can go and look at the commentaries. It's so much fun. And I want you to answer the question with people, why... We, we understand why the earthly sanctuary needs purification. But why does the heavenly sanctuary need purification? Isn't heaven holy? Isn't heaven, you know, without sin? Why does it need? There is a lot of ink that has been poured on that. Go find out uh, what, what, what that is about. So that's your homework for today. Not very heavy work there, you know. But the, the, the thing I want us to look at and as I speak, I want you to gaze your eyes onto the verse, and I want you to see from the verse what I'm talking about, okay? If it was necessary for copies to be cleansed, then the question should be, and we should be asking ourselves is this, how much more the reality, the heavenly things themselves, what kind of blood will be needed to cleanse the heavenly things? I can, I'll give you a hint. Not the blood of goats and bulls, but the answer is the blood of Jesus. Friends, the, the blood of animals did not satisfy God's wrath. It was not sufficient. That's why they had to go back every year and slaughter animals over and over because that blood could not satisfy the wrath of God. It was not sufficient. So all the blood that you read about in the Old Testament, and there's a lot of blood in the Old Testament, as far as sacrifice is concerned, is a picture, an example, a shadow, a symbol, a copy of the reality. And the reality is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the death of Jesus Christ is that which satisfies God completely and permanently. So what the blood of animal could not do in the Old Testament, Jesus now has done and completely his blood satisfies God's wrath. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. God was so satisfied. God was so satisfied with what Jesus did during his earthly time, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. He was so satisfied with Jesus that he highly exalted him and gave him a name, the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
things in the earth and underneath the earth. God exalted him and lifted him so high. In the highest place he could lift him up to. And that, that place was at his own right hand. Why? Because of what he had done. This is how much God was satisfied with the blood of Jesus, with the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross. Now, you want to know something? Say yes. You want to know something? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> he is not satisfied with me. Neither is he satisfied with you. On your own and on my own, I cannot satisfy God. No amount of church going, no amount of giving, no amount of fasting, helping the poor, prayer, nothing I do can even come close to satisfying God. Even the best righteous works I can conjure, I can come up with. The Bible in Isaiah 64 says, they are filthy rags. That is what God calls my righteousness. So do not try to go to God, please God, impress God with how awesome you are. Can you please help me say something? Say this, I am not awesome. Mm. How does it feel? It feels so bad. You know why? Because we think that we are so awesome. You, my friend, are not awesome. Don't stone me yet. I didn't say that. God said it. So you can stone him. Don't stone me. I'm just a messenger. You know, some of us, we are so full of ourselves. We think that we are the best thing that ever happened in the face of the universe. You know, when I was leaving Kenya, people came to me and said, the church is going to go down because you're not there. And just a little bit of that began to get into my head. I'm thinking, man, am I that awesome? I'm the holder of this church. You know what? The church is not about Dennis. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And you know, God has proved it. When I left Kenya, our church was about 120. Now we're about 150. It wasn't me. I'm not there, so the church is not falling. I'm like, I'm like, God, thank you for showing these people of little faith. I wasn't there. That it is you who causes the church to grow. You know, some of us, we think that you, you are the most popular person in school. You are the most popular person at your work. You are the most awesome mom at mops. You know, you are in, in, in your gun club. You are like the, you are the, the one that shoots you know, skits like crazy. Where, where is uh, Rob? You know, we went with him to shoot skits on men. He is good. <laughs> and he knows it too. <laughs> Rob, you're not that good. God says it. You might be so good that people are naming their children after you. But that will not give you a standing before the judge of all the earth. Christian, that's why when we come to God... We come to God in the name of Jesus Christ. And we hang so tight to Jesus. Because God is not satisfied in me. God is satisfied in him. And when we enter into God's presence, we don't enter in our own righteousness because we have none. We enter in the righteousness of Christ because God is not satisfied in my righteousness. God is satisfied with Jesus and only Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is a greater sacrifice. Because he appeared once and for all in the presence of God 
on our behalf to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So let's look at the first reason why Jesus' sacrifice is a greater sacrifice. Number one, his sacrifice was the cause of our sanctification. When Jesus appeared, his sacrifice was so great and the cause of our sanctification. Look at verse 24. For Christ has entered, not into holy places, made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear, now to appear, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. I love that. The blood of animals was sufficient to purify the earthly tabernacle. That's okay. But this was just a ceremonial purification. It was symbolic sanctification of a symbolic sanctuary. The heavenly sanctuary was the reality of which the earthly tent was a copy. So it had to be cleansed by a better blood, by a better sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of Jesus. I want you to see this. Christ's blood, Christ's blood gave him access, not into the holy of holies in a tent, but into the very presence of God himself. And to appear, present tense, I want you to see that, I don't want you to miss that. And to appear, present tense, on our behalf. He is going there, not on his own behalf, not for his sake, but he's going there on my behalf. So question, where is Christ right now? In the presence of God. Why? Because of me. <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus Christ is at this very moment appearing before God on your behalf. On my behalf. Man, that is an amazing truth. Our life, my life and your life, our lives are not free from the influence of sin. As we live here on earth, we are going to sin. We go before God confessing our sin, but we don't go on our own. We go before God in the name of Jesus. Knowing that Jesus appears before God to intercede on our behalf. So that we may have power to overcome sin and be sanctified. The sacrifice of Jesus is the cause of our sanctification. And because of him, because of this Jesus, you Christian can appear, me Christian, we Christians can appear before the Lord despite of our sin. You know why? Because of Jesus, we are holy. Listen to this. Because of Jesus, we are holy. We are accepted and we are no longer aliens to him. And that's why we can say, Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus. When we pray, I want you, I want you to look at the, the heaviness of that statement. God is my father. The maker of the universe knows my name. Think about that. You know, uh, let me just read a verse here in First Timothy Chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and, human, and humanity. Christ Jesus himself, human, Christ Jesus himself. There is one mediator between you and God. And that mediator is God. And then First John chapter 2 uh, verse 1. I want you to see this. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, 
I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. Man, if that verse ended there, I'll be in trouble. How many of you have sinned? Don't raise up your hand. Because all of us will raise up your hand because we sin like crazy. So if this thing ended there, we're going to be in trouble. In the first service, I said someone needs to do a series on the biggest buts in the Bible. And this is one of those big buts. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And guess what? He himself, he is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sin. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Aren't you glad that there is someone constantly, even right now, in the presence of the Father because of you? Man, I am really, really glad that Jesus is doing that. And you can see why the author of Hebrew is puzzled by these guys wanting to go back to the copies and living the reality. Why would anyone want to leave the great high priest serving in the heavenly sanctuary to return to the priest of Israel serving in a symbolic temple? Why? And this is, this is why, what the author of Hebrew is telling them. Why do you want to do that? You know, the, the funny thing in the Old Testament, whenever the tent, was, the, the tent was, was put together, there was fences around it and you can't go near it. And every sign there said, keep out, keep out, don't come close. And then in the book of Hebrews, guess what? Draw near. And they come near, and now they want to go back to the tents and the fences and all that. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is a greater sacrifice. Why? Because he appeared once and for all in the presence of God on our behalf to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Number one, his sacrifice was the cause for our sanctification. Number two, his sacrifice was the cause for our justification. Now look at this, verse 25. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood notice on, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, I like that these buts in the Bible are really awesome, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now look at this, verse 24. We saw the word there, Jesus appears in the presence of God on our behalf. He appears, present tense. Here, and this we saw was the picture of our sanctification. In verse 26 here, we see that he has appeared Past tense. To do what? To free us from the penalty of sin, to put away sin, a picture of our justification. He appeared in the past, once and for all. He lived, he suffered, he died to offer himself as a sacrifice. And Jesus here is being contrasted with a high priest who will go back over and over and over, but he's gone how many times? What's the word? Okay, let's try that again. How many times? Thank you on our behalf. Not with the blood of animals or the blood of himself. Now, if the old economy needed blood, so does the new one. If the old economy needed sacrifice, so does the new one. But the new sacrifice 
will have to be a better sacrifice. It is better because Jesus, when he is finished doing this, he enters into the very presence of God. It is good, it is better because he never had to repeat it. Because if he had to repeat it, guess what? He'll have to die over and over and over again after Adam sinned. And right now, Jesus will be dying again. There will be so many crosses everywhere of Jesus just dying, dying, dying. But his death was sufficient. It doesn't need to be repeated. It was totally effective. It was done once, and that was it. And now because of this sacrifice, we have been pardoned. We are in right standing before the judge of all the earth. Now, one of the things that I know about myself is that I am a sinner, and I am horribly guilty of sin. Yet, that's the bad news, but it's good news. The good news, yes, the amazing news is that the God of the Bible justifies the ungodly and declares them not guilty when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. So, I am horribly guilty. I go before God in Jesus' name, and God says, boom, not guilty, justified. What a beautiful thing. Our sins are not counted on us any longer. God forgave us because of Jesus' amazing blood sacrifice on the cross. Now, if you are sleeping, this is a good time to wake up. Because I'm about to say something profound. I want you to think about the implication of this justification in your life as a Christian. As guilty as we are, God forgave us. I think a Christian that holds grudges and is unforgiving has not yet fully understood how forgiven he is by God. Did you get that? If you are holding a grudge and you are a saved human being, you have not yet understood how much God has forgiven you. Paul in Colossians 3, 13 would say it this way, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, if you're not very good with Colossians, let me give you something that you're good at. Our Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins. What is the assumption? As we forgive those who sin against us. So forgiveness is not just something that we do to feel good about ourselves. It's something that we do because we understand how much we've been forgiven. In fact, there's a parable in the, in the Gospels. I won't even talk about it because all of you know it. The parable of the unmerciful servant. It's terrible when people don't forgive. So, let the thought of God not holding your sin over your head give you the strength, the energy, the push to extend forgiveness to those people who have wronged you. Is there someone that needs your forgiveness in your life right now? Please forgive them. Because that is the most Christian thing you can do. As you have been forgiven by your Father in heaven, so you also forgive. And this is because 
of Jesus' greater sacrifice. We get this forgiveness because of him. Jesus, I'm going to say this again, is a greater sacrifice. Why? Because he appeared once and for all in the presence of God on our behalf to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. His sacrifice will be the cause for our glorification, the last point. So the first point, his sacrifice was the cause for our sanctification. Second point, the cause for our justification. And finally, the cause for our glorification. Now, in all theology, this is part of theology that people don't really take a lot of time to talk about. We like the justification, the condemnation, the sanctification, and redemption, and all those things, but we don't really spend time talking about glorification. Verse 27, and just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Friends, Jesus only needed to die one time, one time, once. Why? Verse 27, because it is appointed unto man to live, and after that, death, one time. And this is an appointment that everybody will keep. I promise you that. Even the Africans who don't keep appointments will keep this one. <laughs> Jesus does not have to be sacrificed every week. God says he did it once. That's all. Not repeated times. There's a, a commentator that I love. His name is Dr. Constable from Dallas Seminary. In his commentary on Hebrews, he writes, there's a finality about death. That is not to be disputed. Death is serious because it is followed by judgment. Men are accountable and after death, they will render account to God. Every person will give an account before the judge of all nations. So we have seen him appearing on our behalf and we have seen that he appeared to take away the sin and we are seeing that he will appear. Christians, listen to this. Jesus is the God who is, the God who was, and the God who is to come. And his sacrifice appropriates for us a salvation that is, a salvation that was, and a salvation that is to come. Amen? That's great. This is all because of this sacrifice. Now look at these verses closely. The purpose of Christ's come, second coming is not to deal with sin. That's done. It's a done deal. Have you noticed how many once and for all is used in chapter 9? Look at verse, 20, verse 12. He entered once and for all into the holy places. Verse 26. He appeared once and for all at the end of the ages. Verse 28. So Christ having been offered how many times? Once. Jesus' second coming is for the glorification of the saints. Now Dr. Hammett is my theology teacher at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And this is what, how he defines glorification. He says this. It is the final, complete transformation of our total being, the end of the process of salvation and the necessary preparation for a heavenly life. At death, the non-material aspect of human nature, soul and spirit, is glorified in terms of moral perfection as the completion of sanctification and the end of the sinful nature. Now, that's a mouthful. I like Paul. 
This is how Paul says it in Philippians 1.6. He who began the good work in you will take it to completion until the end. Paul is simple. My seminary professor is very complicated, but he has to be. He has to, he has to earn his money, you know. <laughs> Philippians 6.1. He will finish this work. Amen. I don't know why we don't talk about glorification more in our church. Christians, this hope that we have is not some fake hope that we hold on to to give us good feelings when you're going through a difficult time, even though it should. But that's not the reason why we hold on to this hope. It is a real hope that we hold on to. And without it, Paul says, we are to be pitied more than non-believers. Last month, the month of June, the founder of our church in Texas lost his wife of almost 71 years. During the last years of her life, Patty Summerall was weak and in pain. And the exuberance of her youth that she had when they were planting Denton Bible Church was just a distant memory. Pastor Tommy Nelson put out a statement to the church upon her death that read, Patty Summerall is now in the presence of her Lord Jesus Christ and suffers no more the bounds of her earthly body. The joy of a believer is knowing that to die is gain, and yet we suffer here so that others may know the love of Christ. Amen. That's awesome. I like that. That's somebody who understands not only the past, the present, and the future, uh, the past and the present, but the future as well. That Christians, we have a hopeful future. That's why we suffer here in this world, and it's okay. And our suffering is not about us. Paul says, I'd rather be in heaven with God, but for your sake, I want to stay here. You know, and we stay here and we suffer in the, on this earth so that others may know the love of Christ. Let me just apply this to marriage, because that's, that's something that is in, is in my heart right now. You know, your marriage, Christian people, is a picture of Christ and the church. And as you are holding on to that spouse of yours, to your husband and to your wife, even in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in light of all the difficulties of marriage, hold on, because that suffering, that suffering is going to show somebody the love of Jesus. When a husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church, and when a wife is submitting to her husband the way the church submits to Christ, that right there. If you are single, like I said at the beginning, and the pressure of you getting married to someone that is not a Christian, please suffer. Because your suffering is going to be showing somebody that Jesus is worth suffering for. Because when we die, and this life is so short, I know it looks long, but it's so short, we're going to have eternity. And all these things won't matter anymore. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this. Three crosses were prepared by the Romans for three criminals. On two crosses, thieves were to hang. On the third cross, one guilty treason against the Roman Empire whose name was Barabbas. But Barabbas never made it to the cross. You see, his sentence was passed on Barabbas. He was found guilty of the Romans by the Romans. But Barabbas never got to the cross. 
Somebody took Barabbas' place. And on that middle cross, that day hung not Barabbas, but the sinless, perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. Barabbas went free. But he didn't go free because he was innocent. He went free because somebody else took his place. And I want to say to you today, you can stand at the foot of the cross and you can look up to that cross and you can say to yourself, that cross was prepared for me. I deserve to die on that cross. But I go free. Why? Because somebody else hung there in my place. And when you have said that, you have understood what Jesus Christ did for you. Amen? Truly, friends, Jesus is a greater sacrifice because he appeared once and for all in the presence of God on our behalf to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. If you are here today, and as you are listening to me, God is prompting your heart, and you know that you have no relationship with this Jesus. I want to beg you. I want to urge you. Please stay behind. Talk to somebody about this. This is the best decision you are going to make for your life. And if you are a Christian, and your Christian life has lost its fire, and you're just living, just surviving as a Christian, please talk to somebody. Let somebody pray for you and with you during this time. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we call you Father because you are truly our Father who is in heaven. Lord, we, we were once sinners. And even be, as, well, while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. What love is that? That you have loved us so much to justify us. And now we, we look at the verdict on our crime and the paper is clean and it says not guilty. And it's not because of me, because of us, it's because of your son, Jesus Christ. And even after saving us, you did not leave us as orphans, but you adopted us as your children and continue to sanctify us, continue to appear before the Father on our behalf. And the Bible says that the Spirit is praying on our behalf with groans beyond what words can explain, that there is one advocate, his name is Jesus Christ, that you are the propitiation for our sin, not only for ours, but for the whole world. What a wonderful Savior you are. And as if that is not enough, that you are in heaven right now preparing a place for us. And Father, we eagerly await the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. And yet, on this world, we suffer, be it short, for a short time, so that people will know the love of Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you will help us to suffer well. And to this end, we pray in that name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and for his sake, amen. God bless you, church. Would you stand with us?
Let's lift high the name.